Welcome to Inside the Groove, a podcast about the music of Madonna. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and every episode I'll be taking a well-known Madonna track and telling the story of how it was written and how it was recorded. I'll be using multi-track sessions and demos to break down the creative process and find out how Madonna has been behind some of the greatest pop songs of the last 40 years. Madonna's soundtrack to Evita was released on 12th of November 1996, ahead of the Christmas Day release of the movie adaptation of the Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, which had begun development in the 1970s. The soundtrack was foreshadowed by the release of a brand new composition for the movie, You Must Love Me, on 27th of October 1996. A further two singles, Don't Cry For Me Argentina and Another Suitcase in Another Hall, would follow. The first would come with a set of remixes for which Madonna completely re-recorded the song in both English and Spanish. A final set of remixes for the song Buenos Aires would follow in October 1997, just a few months shy of the launch of Madonna's Ray of Light album. The Evita soundtrack would reach number one in several countries, including the UK, and as of 2008 has sold 11 million copies around the globe. In this episode, I'll be discussing the original concept album, then the West End production, and also its move to Broadway. I'll cover the development of the movie, including a few failed attempts to make it, and also discuss how Madonna got the part, along with the vocal training she undertook. I'm going to chat about the remix of Buenos Aires and also play you some early versions of the songs from the soundtrack. Then there'll be a second part because there's so much to discuss. In that next episode, I'll be discussing the recording of the album and the filming, and I'll be speaking with the honest vocal coach once again, yes, Georgina, we're going to talk about the various versions by different artists, including Madonna's arch-nemesis, Patti Lupone. I'll also talk about the legacy of Evita, including Madonna's performance at the Oscars. There's a lot to get through, so sit back, relax, salve, salve, Regina, as we go inside the groove. Don't cry for me, Argentina The truth is I never left you All through my wild days My mad existence I kept my promise Don't keep your distance Just a reminder that if you enjoy this episode, you can give me a one-off donation using Buy Me A Coffee. And if you really enjoyed the series and you want to get extra content, you can become a patron. To do both, just head to www.insidethegroove.co.uk. Thank you for your time and your kindness. Now, this probably won't come as much of a surprise, but I really, really love Evita. I think it's a highlight in Madonna's career. And I was surprised when I went online to Twitter recently and asked, and lots of other fans just don't like it, they don't engage with it, they they find the songs boring, they're not interested in it, or of course, you know, they're aware that Madonna, Madonna movies don't always mix brilliantly. But I think a lot of you also appreciate the fact that it's just a really good set of songs, and as a movie, it's incredibly well made. And personally, I think it's like a two hour Madonna video, it's just brilliant. I'd also argue that the fact that she made the movie is part of the reason why we're still talking about Madonna today. 
it's largely due to that vocal training that I always talk about that transformed her voice and then made Ray of Light the huge hit that it was. I honestly think that had she not done that work, we probably wouldn't have had the wonderful music that followed or it wouldn't have sounded quite so great. But I also think that she had something to prove and she really worked incredibly hard on this movie and the payoff is worth it. I was six when the album was released and I was eight when the stage show in London first happened and our family wasn't the type that would travel up to London to watch musicals. I don't think many people did then, it was more of a thing from the 80s and the 90s. So when it was finally announced and absolutely confirmed that Madonna would be playing Evita in the movie version, I was sort of excited but I didn't really know what to expect. This was coming off the back of the Bedtime Stories era, so I was just wonderfully excited about the music that Madonna's making then, and I wasn't sure if I wanted her to go off and make this kind of music. And it didn't help that when the movie was finally released, I couldn't find anyone to go and see it with. In the end, I went on my own, probably around March 1997. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but, well, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. And then I watched it again only a few years ago and, and really got into the soundtrack. It's fantastic. I'm sure I can share some of that passion with you guys and hopefully make you love it as much as I do. The story of Evita is as much the story of Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber as it is Ava Perron, the subject of the musical. Rice and Webber began working together in the mid-1960s, first on a small show, which would eventually become Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, and then on Jesus Christ Superstar, a full-blown rock opera, as had become popular at the time with shows like Hair and Godspell, doing very well on the West End in London and Broadway in Manhattan. Jesus Christ Superstar had been first developed as a concept album. There was no dialogue in the play other than the song lyrics, so it worked really well in the LP format, while the writers attempted to raise funding to put on the show, which in 1973 was then turned into a movie. So they repeated this formula a few years later, when they created a concept album for their new show, Evita, based on the life of Eva Perón, who served as the First Lady of Argentina alongside Juan Perón, from 1946 until her untimely death in 1952 from cancer. Born into poverty, she moved to the country's capital, Buenos Aires, and rose through the ranks to become a significant figure, first as an actress before meeting Juan Perón. And because of her background, she never accepted the middle classes and always fought for the working classes, leading her to be adored by the general public and elevated almost to the status of queen. There was a huge outpouring of grief and a protracted period of mourning when she died. But she wasn't universally loved. Many felt that she had used her position improperly, and this contention formed the basis of the musical's plot, with the narrator of the story, Che, arguing that she didn't deserve this adoration. For the musical, it was the story of Eva's life from being a poor child, to moving to Buenos Aires, and pretty much from being a prostitute, then actor, to meeting Juan and becoming the legendary figure through to her death. What stands out is the quality of the songwriting and lyrics. Not everyone will agree, but I certainly think there are some incredibly powerful melodies, many of which are repeated again and again in various forms across the three acts. And of course, this is a Madonna podcast, so let's hear some of the highlights from her versions. And also, these are demos you're going to hear, early demos of the songs and not the ones that ended up on the soundtrack and film. So you might be hearing these versions for the very first time. Let's start with, of course, another suitcase in another hall. I'm immune to 
Then a song that could have sat on the Something to Remember album, I'd be surprisingly good for you. I'm not talking of a hurried night, a frantic tumble and shy goodbye. Creeping home before it gets too light. That's not the reason that I caught your eye, which has to imply I'd be good for you. Then the lyrically brilliant Rainbow High, but listen to Madonna's vocals at the end. It sounds like Ray of Light. I came from the people, they need to adore me. So Christian Dior me, from my head to my toes. I need to be dazzling, I want to be Rainbow High. They must have excitement, and so must I. The idea of this musical first came to Tim Rice when he heard a radio documentary about Ava and remembered her face on the Argentine stamps from when he was a collector as a child. Andrew Lloyd Webber was less keen on the idea, but after they both worked on separate projects, they decided to collaborate on this, with Lloyd Webber keen to include many types of Latin music, such as tango and pasadoble. Rice mapped out the story across three acts and indicated where the beats were, devising scenes. Andrew Lloyd Webber then sort of worked out what the best music to convey the story beats were. The music always came first and Tim Rice wrote the lyrics afterwards. They recorded demos with singers such as Murray Head before finally recording a soundtrack album in 1976 with Judy Covington in the lead role as Evita, former Manfred Mann singer Paul Jones as Perron, Irish singer Colin Wilkinson as Che and Scottish chanteurs Barbara Dixon as Perron's love the role taken by Andrea Kaur in the action movie. Now, many of these singers had worked on either Joseph or Jesus Christ Superstar, so they were quite familiar to the audience when the record was released. And it came out in the second half of 1976, coupled with Judy Covington's version of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, a song which originally was called It's Only Your Lover Returning. Hence the follow-up line, The Truth Is I Never Left You. I'll be discussing that version in the second episode. But I wanted to play you Barbara's version of Another Suitcase in Another Hall. You're probably familiar with Miss Dixon because of her duet with Elaine Page. I know him so well. But her voice is so incredible. I wanted to share it with you. Listen to this. I don't expect my love affairs to last for long. Never fool myself. My dreams will come true Being used to trouble I am dissipated But all the same I hate it Wouldn't you That's so beautiful, isn't it? And you can really hear the song's 70s folky sound. It's no wonder that Madonna grabbed that song for herself, even though Evita's character didn't actually sing it in the original stage play. 
1978, a stage version of Evita opened at the Prince Edward Theatre in the West End, with Elaine Page in the title role as Evita. David Essex played Che, Marty Webb was an understudy for Elaine and would eventually take over the lead, but not before Page had won Performance of the Year in a musical. The following year, the production opened on Broadway. Directed by Harry Prince, who had done the London stage show, the lead was given to Patti Lapone, an incredible singer who went on to win a Tony for her performance, despite its mixed reviews. I'll be talking about both Patti and Elaine's versions of the songs in the next episode, and also letting you know what they think of Madonna's version. Film director Alan Parker was at the opening night on Broadway and it was there that music mogul and entrepreneur Robert Stigwood asked if he would like to do a movie version of Evita. Parker was busy making fame in New York at the time, which incidentally a pre-fame Madonna had auditioned for, and said he would consider it after he had finished filming. However, despite being schmoozed for a day by Robert on his boat in the Caribbean, Parker turned down the opportunity. He didn't want to go back-to-back making another musical. He broke the news to Stigwood whilst they were playing tennis. Shocked at the revelation, Parker stated that Stigwood proceeded to batter him across the head with his tennis racket. Over the years, various directors were supposedly on board to make the movie, including Ken Russell and Francis Ford Coppola. But in 1987, the movie got the go-ahead with Oliver Stone at the helm. Now, by this time, they already had their Evita. Madonna had requested an audience with Stigwood a few years earlier and had arrived in the office complete with a 1940s hairdo and all the charm required to win him over. Now, Robert Stigwood felt she was perfect the role, as did Oliver Stone, who wrote a version of the script. Some point in the late 80s, he and Madonna spent an evening at Andrew Lloyd Webber's lavish Trump Tower apartment in New York. He played them versions of his upcoming musical, they had dinner, and then, according to Stone, Madonna told Webber that she intended to rewrite some of the Evita score. Stone said... At the time, she hadn't done many movies, and she was insisting on script approval. I said, Madonna, you can't have script approval. And she wanted to rewrite Andrew Lloyd Webber. Here she was making these demands. I said, look, there's no point in our meeting anymore. It's not going to work. Over the years, a few other actresses' names were attached to the roles, such as Meryl Streep and Bev Midler. But eventually, Alan Parker got the go-ahead to make the movie. This was in 1994, and Michelle Pfeiffer was currently the name in the hat. But there was a problem. Alan Parker's version was huge, lavish, and overproduced, shot across many countries over three, four, maybe five months. Michelle Pfeiffer had just had a baby, and with two small children, wasn't really keen on leaving Hollywood. So, Alan had to spend Christmas wondering who on earth was going to be playing Ava Peron in his movie. But then, a four-page letter arrived. Many years earlier, Alan Parker and Madonna had worked together on a remake of The Blue Angel, but nothing came of it. But this time, she sent him a four-page handwritten letter that was extraordinarily passionate and sincere, to use Alan Parker's own words. He says, as far as she was concerned, no one could play Evita as well as she could. She said that she would sing, dance and act her heart out and put everything else on hold to devote all her time to it should he decide to go with her. And that's exactly what she decided to do. Although, as Alan Parker commented on a making of a Vita book, she did happen to get pregnant part of the way through filming. A few years earlier, Madonna had appeared besotted with Antonio Banderas, the Spanish actor in her movie In Bed with Madonna. 
It just so happened that he was Alan's favorite to play Che. Alan flew to Miami where Antonio was filming to discuss the project and over dinner in a restaurant, Antonio proceeded to sing most of the songs from Evita, including the ones that Che didn't actually sing. Much to, I'm sure, the pleasure of the other people in the restaurant. So he goes without saying the part went to him. Perron's role went to Jonathan Price, and the role of his lover went to Andrea Corr. There was even a small part for British actor Jimmy Nail. His character would have a one-night stand with Madonna, although that wasn't the first time that their lives had coincided. A few years earlier, Jimmy had done a cover of the Rose Royce song Love Don't Live Here Anymore, which Madonna had used on her 1984 album, Like a Virgin, and in the next year would be re-releasing with a new video. Anyway, I'm digressing. The movie was now in full pre-production. However, Andrew Lloyd Webber was concerned that Madonna's vocal range would not have been wide enough to be able to sing the songs. And to be honest, he's quite true. It's been a subject of many of these podcasts that Madonna's voice, whilst not technically brilliant, had a wonderful tone in the pre-Evita days, but she certainly couldn't reach the range that was needed. It was Andrew Lloyd Webber that fixed Madonna up with vocal coach Joan Lader in New York. Joan worked predominantly with musical theatre artists and was the perfect person to be enlisted by Madonna to help widen her voice. They spent three months working together and quite early on there was a bit of a breakthrough when Madonna discovered a whole area of her voice that she hadn't been using and was suddenly able to sing songs in keys that she could never reach before. Apparently she would come home from her vocal sessions, phone up friends and sing down the phone to them using her new technique. Plans were made for the soundtrack to be recorded first, and this would be done in London in late 1995. Along with her new vocal range, Madonna had gone honey blonde and had started to wear 1940s, 50s style woolen suits. And this is how she looked when she moved to London in September 1995 to begin the biggest role of her career. Unfortunately, things would go very, very wrong before they went right. And on the 2nd of October 1995, all the artists turned up at CTS Studios in Wembley to begin recording the soundtrack ahead of making the movie. The first song was Don't Cry For Me Argentina and it was disastrous and Madonna virtually quit the movie there and then. It took a lot of persuasion to make her continue. I've got the full story of what happened, how they made it go right and of course details about the filming of the movie in the next episode. I've also got a special guest. The honest vocal coach, Georgina, is back. We're going to listen to all the various actresses and singers that have done the famous versions of Don't Cry For Me Argentina, including Madonna. And Georgina is going to give me her opinion on the technique of each one. And I'm also going to be talking about the writing and recording of You Must Love Me, the brand new song made for this movie. There's so much more to talk about, and I can't wait for that next episode. But I'm going to leave you with the Buenos Aires Te Amo remix, which was done but never released as a single. However, I'm pretty sure that's Donna and Nikki doing backing vocals on this version. No, I'd be really interested to know what you think, but I'll play out with a bit of this very rare remix. Until the next episode, Buenos Dias. Buenos Dias.